0: This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hope Land Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope everybody is looking forward to having an amazing Christmas with family and friends. Uh, Know that uh, we're praying for you. Crystal Gale and I love you, and we really appreciate you. Hopeland Church family, and here we go. We're gonna jump into the message today. Our Christmas message is, what does Christmas prove? What does Christmas show? What does Christmas prove to us? What is it saying? And so I'm gonna say my points, and even the title in Spanish today as well. So just, you know, show a little patience for this little white boy right here, but I'm doing my best, all right? Um, but what does Christmas prove? in español, que demuestra la Navidad. In español, ¿qué demuestra la Navidad? What does Christmas prove? All right, Isaiah chapter nine, and we're gonna start in verse six. Uh, Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. I thank you, Lord, for this season to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus. So speak to us, Lord, anoint this time, and give us just fresh revelation, a fresh understanding. Holy Spirit, speak through the word, anoint the word, and change us, empower us by your spirit today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, here we go. For unto us a child is born, somebody say Jesus, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, we're just jumping right in here, okay? What does Christmas prove? I'm not talking necessarily about Christmas the holiday, Christmas the event, right? But I'm talking about the birth of Jesus here, um, and uh, and of course we celebrate it in this Christmas holiday season. And when I when we say what does Christmas prove, really, what does Jesus being born What does it say? What is this this historical fact that has happened and the truth of Jesus coming and being born? What does it say? And here's my first point. This is what it proves, that God loves us. All right? God loves us. In espanol, Dios nos ama. Dios nos ama. God loves us us for unto us a child is born a son shall be given god so loved 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 the world us not necessarily the uh natural uh um material right um uh not that we don't take care of this this planet and want to do our best to be stewards of it while we are here but when it says the world's talking about people that god so loved the world god so loved us that he gave unto us, a son is given. Uh, Christmas proves that God loves us. That's what it's, that's what it is. That's what we are celebrating, the fact that we are loved by God. Dios nos ama. God is a giver, right? Jesus came to show us God's love. If there's one thing about God, it's that he is a giver, and it is that he loves us. Christmas is proof that God loves us and that God cares for us. That's what we're celebrating. He came for us. He came to us. He, he was born of a virgin. He, God himself, in a sense, put on human skin for us. We're loved. Uh, look at the person next to you and say, God loves you. All right. Here we go. Let's go to the let's go to the next one. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. All right. And so this is uh in Matthew and in, in the Gospel of Matthew, the account of Matthew. This is you know just in the midst of the story of Jesus being born. We're starting in verse 16 and it says then Herod when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men was exceedingly angry. And he sp- sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Okay, verse 17, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, verse 18, a voice was heard in Ramah lamentation weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted because they are no more. This is a tragedy. this is wickedness this is this is people in power um, destroying the innocent, killing the innocent and what does Christmas? prove is this right here, that greatness happens in difficult times. I'm going to say it again. Greatness happens in difficult times. In español, la grandeza pasa en tiempos difíciles. Dif- difíciles. Difíciles. I'm practicing. Difíciles. Okay. Uh, Greatness happens in difficult times. La grandeza pasa en tiempos difíciles. Okay, uh, uh, greatness happens in difficult times. The Son of God was just born, and tragedy was all around. Think about this; it's it's heartbreaking. It's it's the the mourning, the lamentation, the great mourning, the weeping. But in the midst of that, God was doing something. The devil was responding, the devil was causing causing havoc because something great was happening and the devil was reacting. Uh, the, The demonic forces were reacting and using somebody in power to bring destruction to families and innocent children. But in the midst of that, something great was happening. Um, there was great evil happening in the midst of great love. All right, the 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 the, um, the life the life giver uh, was just born, and those in power were killing the innocent. I believe that God is always doing something powerful in chaos. I believe that in the midst of the chaos of our society, in the midst of the upheaval of what is happening around us in our world, in politics, within, and among those that are in political power, in the midst of what is happening, God is doing something under the surface. God is. Is doing something great. I don't, I can't always put my finger on it. I'll be honest with you. I don't always see it. It's not always apparent, but I believe according to the word that God was always doing something great in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a flood. God had Noah and his family in the ark, in the midst of of um um slavery in Egypt and all that was going on there with God's people in, in the um, in the book of Exodus that God was doing something under the surface and, and 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 there was a a liberator a deliverer rising up by the name of Moses that would that would take them out of there right in the midst of of the Midianites ravaging God's people and and stealing their crops right there was there was a man of war that was hiding in the wine press called Gideon that God, is always doing something great in the midst of chaos. Greatness happens in difficult times. Christmas proves it. Christmas proves it. Uh, you know, uh, beneath the surface of tragedy is God's divine will unraveling. In, in, in Beneath the surface of tragedy is God working and unraveling his divine purpose. There are great miracles in the midst of great, Mourning. I'm not here to say that mourning doesn't exist; that the tragedies aren't real and heartbreaking. But I am saying that in the midst of that, God is doing something powerful and profound and divine in our lives. All right, um, at our um, at our Bible study with friends, um, as you're watching this, it'll be last week. Last week, Pastor Johnny was talking about that God creates moments in moments. In in the circumstance of a moment, negative or however it is, God has a moment inside the moment. There's greatness in the tragedy. There is glory in suffering. His presence in the midst of pressure. There is... Um, there is something God is doing in your life right now, but beneath the surface. Um, what is God doing in your midst? Uh, uh, what is He doing? What is He doing right now? You know, that even that, that Christmas song, you know? Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? We can see and hear God doing something under the surface. I mean, if we just look in the scriptures, it, it's all over the place. Um, that God has always done great things in in the in the beginning in the church in the beginning of when the church was birthed in the book of Acts Acts chapter one and two. I mean, um, you know, uh, the 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 nation of Israel was under Roman rule. They they were occupied by outside political forces, and in the midst of that, the the bride of Christ was birthed, and the and the world started to change in the midst of being occupied and overtaken by another nation. God birthed his bride in the earth and he is using her today to do great things. All right, first point, God loves us. In español, Dios nos ama. God loves us. Dios los ama. Second point is greatness happens in difficult times. La grandeza pasa en tiempos. Difficiles. Greatness happens in difficult times, and that is how God works. What am I, what am I saying? I'm just here to encourage you that in your difficult time, God is doing something. In your difficult time, God is doing something. I, he is working, he is moving, he is speaking. He is, He his plan is coming, his plan is unraveling. He His will is coming forth, his kingdom is being established. You know, when you are suffering, he's doing something. When you are troubled, he is doing something. When you don't feel him, he is doing something. When you feel or think that he's far away, he's right there. When you are troubled, he is planning and purposing and working. The Bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers. Um, God is in the midst of us, in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of everything we go through. He is there, he is working, he is moving. Um, he is in our midst when Jesus was prophesied of. It says that they shall call his name, Emmanuel, God with us. All right, hallelujah, that Christmas proves that God is doing something great in the midst of difficult times. Can you see it? Can you believe it? Can you hear it? Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables He's talking about Jesus, right? This is a little bit later on in his life. But check this out, that he departed from there. Verse 54, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Where did this man, how did he get this wisdom? And how was he, this man, able to perform these mighty works. Verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Right? Is not his mother called Mary? Like we know these people, right? They're they're nothing special. And his brothers, you know, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Like we know these guys. And his sisters, are they not all with us? Like, I, I mean, this is just common people. Nothing special about this family. Nothing special, man, we know these people. They've been around, see them around town, right? They were able to name their names. I mean, they, I mean, they, they named, I mean, these folks named everybody, right, right, they named everybody. They didn't miss anybody's name. They, they were calling out names. They knew them, right? Where then did this man get all these things? Like how? Did this man, how was he able to do this? We know him, we are familiar with him. We've been running with with these people. We grew up with these people. And look at verse 57. So they were offended at him. So they were offended at him. Wow, these people were offended. They, they, They got bitter because... An ordinary family had somebody extraordinary in it. Think about that. They were offended, like what are you offended for? Isn't that interesting? I mean, you start doing something great. You start stepping outside what is common, what people expect you to do, how far people expect you to go. You start doing what you're called to do. You start actually stepping into your purpose. And I'm here to tell you right now, you're gonna have some people that are mad for no other reason other than they're haters, right? haters gonna hate I mean that's they, they there is no reason like why are you offended because somebody's doing something because it, why it's because 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 what Jesus was doing didn't fit in their judgment of him and his family they, they were like ah oh, man like what what's he doing that for they were offended hurt jealous whatever whatever you want to call it I mean I'm just telling you don't allow the opinion of others to keep you from your purpose. Don't allow um, what other people think or what they think you should be or shouldn't be keep you from obeying God, right? Because at the end of the day, Jesus wasn't out here all prideful and saying, look at me, look what I did. The Bible says that he only did what the Father told him to do. He was utterly and completely obedient to the core, to the heavenly father. He was, he was entirely humble and walked in humility. He, he, he was the most humble uh, man that ever walked the earth and yet the most powerful. And these folks were still offended. They had no reason to be offended. Jesus never did anything wrong. He is perfect. He is God. He was sinless, spotless lamb the Bible says and yet still offended he was pure you know in everything he was absolutely and totally holy he was absolutely and totally perfect he was he was all that and some and yet entirely humble and submitted to the will of the Father and yet people still offended with him so it doesn't matter how, good you are, how nice you are, how loving you are to people. If you're going to obey God, you're going to bust through some boundaries. You're going to break through limitations. You're going to, you're you're not, your purpose doesn't have to fit into everybody's head or everybody's opinion of you. As a matter of fact, obedience to your purpose in God is going to cause some to be offended with you. And you got to accept it. Jesus had to live with it. He had to. Right. He had to. I mean, and they were like, they were, they, they knew him, who, where he's from, who he runs with, his mama's name, his dad's name. They, they knew his brothers and sisters called their name. Like, what? How's he doing this? Right. And look at divine purpose and obedience to God is going to bust some people's bubble. It's gonna, it's gonna make them go. What? Why are you hanging out with them? Why are you, you know? Why don't you come over here and just stay mediocre? Why don't you come over here and 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 not do anything great for God? Come over here and be like us. Just come over here and hang out down here. You know, um, you know. You don't don't succumb to the pressure of mediocrity to fit in with people that ain't doing nothing anyway. Don't don't come underneath or submit to the mediocrity of people that ain't going nowhere. Stay humble before God. Stay loving and humble with people and obey God. And when you do, you're gonna bust out of folks bubble and their opinion of you. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Here it is, my next point. God uses ordinary people. God, this is what Christmas proves. God uses ordinary people. Okay, in español, Dios, Dios usar a la gente ordinaria. Okay, I'm working on my Spanish. Okay, so if if, if you want to encourage me, you know what I'm saying, send me a little DM, text me something, and say, good job, good job, white boy. Uh, You're getting better every day. (laughs) All right, so God, come on, I need some encouragement here. Uh, God uses ordinary people, Dios, Dios usar a la gente ordinaria, okay, ordinaria, ordinaria, I'm, I'm like practicing here, I mean, this is like, we're recording, but I'm practicing, so um, I hope you can understand what I'm saying, but once again, God uses ordinary people, Dios usar a la gente ordinaria, um, God uses, this is what Christmas proves, Mary and Joseph, ordinary, the scripture doesn't record anything significant about them per se. I mean, it just, it doesn't. They reference his, isn't he, verse 55, Matthew 13, 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Like like they're, they're throwing in his dad, what his dad did for a living. Man, isn't this not the carpenter's son? I mean, what, what you know, what greatness is that? God does great things with normal, quote unquote, normal people. All right, God doesn't need extraordinary. He is the extra in our ordinary. He's the extra. Let's let him be the extra. God, God needs willingness, not greatness. God makes us great. God makes us great. But, you know, so so God, God just needs willingness. You know what greatness, you want to do great things in the kingdom? Just obey God and be willing. I mean, all you need is God and God plus willingness equals greatness. Come on now. Jesus plus my yes equals greatness. God needs a yes. That's it. That's all he needs. That's what he needs. Here I am. Send me. That's what he needs. Here I am. Roll the bundle disciples. Follow me, right? D- didn't they not do great things for God? Willingness, right? Mary said, be it unto me according to your word wasn't about her it was about her conceiving the word about her receiving the word about her receiving that word of the angel that came and said what's on you is holy and you shall be with child and you shall call his name jesus mary said be it unto me according to your word think about this all god needed was a yes from her and look what happened she birthed the savior of the world hallelujah god uses ordinary people So here we go. God loves us. Dios nos ama. Greatness happens in difficult times. La grandeza pasa en tiempos difíciles. God uses ordinary people. Dios usa gente ordinaria. Okay. Once again, appreciate your patience with my Spanish. All right, here it is. Uh, And we got one more point here, okay? Uh, But what does Christmas prove? Let's go to Luke chapter two, verse six. Here's Luke's account of the Christmas story. Luke chapter two, verse six. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, to deliver her baby. Um, Verse seven, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay, there was a feast happening in Jerusalem. So everybody came from everywhere and they ascended to Jerusalem. Uh, There are three feasts a year. Uh, main f- big feasts that the Jews would celebrate and they would come from all over um, to Jerusalem to celebrate. And so during this time, um, there, there's presumably a feast happening, hence the inn is full with people. Uh, and uh, so uh, that was there was three feasts, Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's three feasts a year that they would all come. And that's where you get, I'm uh, sorry, just little Bible stuff here, but that's where you get the Psalms of Ascent. There's uh, Psalms written in the book of Psalms uh, and they're literally about uh, God's people ascending to Jerusalem uh, for these feasts. Um, and so, uh, so here we go, verse eight. So that's kind of what's happening in, in, the, in their culture, in their world at this specific time. Uh, Luke chapter eight, uh, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. Um, other cool little fascinating thing here, like shepherds, just how committed they are to sheep. I think that, uh, you know, spiritual leaders and pastors, I mean, um, I know this isn't explicitly about pastoring people, but it's, it's really cool how Jesus always connected. We talked about this last week. Actually, that Jesus is our shepherd, um, but how uh, these shepherds, I mean, think about this. I would keep in their watch at, at night even. I mean, they were committed to looking out for their sheep and as shepherds, um, and, and you know, we, we're called as shepherds to really keep watch uh, of the flock of God that God has gifted us to and called us to, uh, to watch over. And so here they are keeping watch over their flock by night, all right? Uh, verse nine, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, uh, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. I mean, this is it. This is the moment. This changes everything. This is the fullness of time. This is what the prophets were talking about. This is what the, God's people were enduring Time to get to this point. For to you in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Wow, amazing, 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 amazing. This, this is what is amazing about this to me. What does Christmas mean? Proof. We've already shared a few things, but this is what it proves, is that everybody doesn't see what God is doing. Everybody doesn't see, nor are they privileged to see what he is doing, right? And this is profound. This is Jesus coming. This is monumental. This is, he's gonna take away the sins of the world. He's gonna provide a a, a pathway of salvation to all of humanity by way of his grace through faith. This is it, the law is about to be fulfilled. You know, that he's about to cut a new covenant with his people and us Gentiles outside the commonwealth of Israel will be engrafted in to salvation through through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. This is it, wow. This is this is pivotal. This this is where the temple is ripped, that the curtain of the temple is ripped, that the access given for uh, broken, sinful humanity to have access to the very presence of God. I mean, here it is. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to who? All people. For there is born, born to you this day, in the city of David, a Savior, capital S. It means God. Who is Christ? Capital C God. The Lord. Capital L, God. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swallowing clothes, lying in a manger. So they so they so they dip out and they go. And there they they go and worship. Right? They go and worship the Savior of the world. Now, this is this is fascinating to me that um there was no room for him in the end. Right. Just like I said before, you know, God uses ordinary situations, ordinary people. I mean, this is I mean, it, I mean, if, if I was the innkeeper and I and I and I knew I would be like, man, we're going to help you out with this is the savior. Like we're going to I mean, I have three children. and When that baby's first born, I mean, the baby is so precious. Right. When I when we first had our when we had our first child, Giovanna, we were like, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, they're, they're, the hospital's letting me take this baby home. Like I, I'm actually going to take A little human being home and take care of her and raise like like so like oh no like we were so careful like putting her it was it was I mean it's so delicate. You got little baby Chia in there, tiny little girl. And I'm like putting her in the car seat, and I'm driving, and I'm driving really slow. I'm looking back in the car seat. I'm I'm like, and even when I clicked her in the car seat, I was like, oh her little arms, is she gonna be okay in here? I mean, this car seat's so big and she's so little. I was like, oh, so precious. Right? But then on top of that, like this is Jesus. And look at this. Heaven only tells some shepherds in the moment. Here's a, everybody doesn't see what God is doing. In Espanol, I'll give my best shot at this, okay? Here we go. Todos, todos no ven lo que hace Dios, okay? I'll, try, I'll say it again. Everybody doesn't see what God is doing. Todos no ven lo que hace Dios. Everybody doesn't see what God is doing. Number one, they, they had to resort to a manger. It's common. You know, the environment wasn't, wasn't some grand palace. Maybe because God was... God's value system was that this savior by way of the Holy Spirit is going to dwell in human temples. Maybe God just really didn't care about the natural environment because he knew that His, that the Savior, His Son, would dwell in His most precious, the thing that God um, desires the most, the thing that God holds in the most value, isn't natural physical environments. It is um, the hearts of men and women that God Himself was like, man, I let you know. Um, he he wasn't trying to create this big outlandish um, entrance into the earth in the in a natural way, uh, because God knew that one day this savior, by way of the Holy Spirit, would dwell within human hearts, human beings. That is who he came for, and he revealed it. I find it so fascinating that he revealed this moment to, to some shepherds in field doing their job, and this was for the whole world, and I'm here to tell you right now, that you could hear what God is doing. Like that that song, you know, that Christmas song, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? I'm here to tell you now, right now, God wants to reveal to you what he is doing. And he will, according to his word, reveal it to us by his spirit. What does Christmas prove? That God loves us. What does Christmas prove? Greatness happens in difficult times. What does Christmas prove? God uses ordinary people like you and me. What does Christmas prove? Everybody doesn't see what God is doing, but you can by way of his spirit. Merry Christmas, God bless you. I hope you enjoyed the message. My prayer is that you will change your world as a result of what you listen to today. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And remember to follow us on social media. Peace.